Welcome to the Christian Marauder today. Before we begin, let me share that I'll be taking some time off to regroup and recoup myself and rest. Here's an edited live stream. So with that, let's jump right on in. Well, folks, who spilled the coffee? This is the Marauder Report for April 14th, 2020. You know, the UN Climate Change Report sounds a code red toward humanity, and we are all going to die, don't you know? We're all going to die. And did you not know that cows alone contribute 14% of carbon production by producing too much methane? You know, as I wrote in the, in the, in the intro here, there are stakes on the table if you can afford the inflation. Well, let me read some of these articles for you that just came up and use reports that you might have seen or may have missed. And I wish I could have a screaming lady in the background screaming every time I say this. Reuters reports, UN United Nations climate change report sounds code red for humanity. We're all going to die. Ah, everybody scream. Everybody scream. Ah, August 9th, Reuters writes, writes this. Global warming is dangerously close to spiraling out of control, the UN Climate Panel says in a landmark report Monday, warning the world is already certain to face further climate disruptions for decades, if not centuries to come. Humans are unequivocally to blame. Yes, we humans are to blame for climate change. And also throw in the cows, too. And sheep, and goats, and pigs, and every animal out there you see. Uh, are contributing to climate change. We're all going to die. So they, uh, okay. so humans are the culprits. They unequivocally are to blame. The report from the scientists of Interne Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, said rapid action to cut greenhouse gas emissions could limit some impacts, but others are now locked in. We're all going to die. Deadly heat waves and gargantuan hurricanes and other weather extremes are already happening and will become more severe. We're all going to die. Monday alone saw 500,000 acres in a forest burning in California while an in Venice tourist waded through ankle-deep waters in St. Mark's Square. There's fires in Greece. There's fires. The biggest fires in the world are burning down Siberia. Hallelujah, we're all going to die. UN General... Uh, Secretary Antonio Guterres describes report as code red for humanity. We're all going to die. The alarm bells are deafening, he said in a statement. This report must sound the death knell to coal and fossil fuels before they destroy our planet. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought humans were the cause of climate change, but not fossil fuels. But uh, I, I, I digress. And again, another report from Reuters and uh, other news agencies report that cows alone contribute 14% of carbon by producing too much methane. In fact, the World Economic Forum has a big articles about how to put <laughs> gas bags on cows <laughs> and use the methane. <laughs> I'm sorry, this was so funny. <laughs> Gas bags on cows. <laughs> I'm sorry. I kind of laugh. You have to see the picture on the World Economic Forum. That is hilarious. Gas bags on cows. <laughs> so you can harvest them heavy uh, to fuel your car or something. <laughs> well, anyway, I give up. This world is going crazy. That's all I got to say. Uh, on top of that, China now warns it will pull out of the 
Paris Climate Accord. And John Kerry is getting grayer because of it. Hallelujah. Yeah, China did promise. It's warning. Don't tell us to cut our coal industry or we're going to pull out of the climate Paris Accord. Well, basically, they already have. Why? Because China drives rise in coal-fired plant as IEA warns countries must spend more on clean energy. That was another headline. China drives the rise in coal power plants. How? By building more and more of them in China. And then warning, don't tell us how to run our country, United Nations. We need coal. We need fuel. You guys, you know, can shove it where the sun don't shine. That's basically what they're saying. And so the IEA warns countries must spend more on clean energy. But China ain't. But the West must cut its own. Man, I tell you, this, this stuff is, these are headlines. I'm reading some headlines. This one was really got me. This, this one made me laugh again. Head fact checker at Snopes. You know, you know, at Snopes is the, the, the truth detectors here. The head fact checker at Snopes is guilty of plagiarism. Snopes, and this is what the headline reads. Snopes' main liberal watchdog is suspended after internal review finds that the head fact checker, basically the guy who runs uh, Snopes, uh, plagiarized dozens of articles. You can't make that up, folks. You know, these fact checkers ain't fact checkers. I want to I want to know if the fact checkers have medical degrees and are actual scientists that allow debate and discussion and peer reviews. I really would like to know who these algorithms, I mean, these people are. They're basically they're algorithms, but what, I digress. Do you not know that Google, you know, your web browser, has what is known as an anti-Trump project going on for quite a long time? And it uses algorithms to block content. This is happening also on, I'm going to say it, YouTube as well. I don't want, I don't have TV anymore, so we watch most of our stuff off of Roku or google or you know the google's youtube and stuff you used to be able to find news articles would pop up and stuff now it, it doesn't what appears is propaganda all uh, pro uh pro uh climate change pro this no debate allowed no discussion allowed uh nothing allowed and it's all uh it seems to you you seem it Used to have the algorithms, you know, you like something and you can see like things pop up, but you don't, doesn't, it happens rarer and rarer if you haven't noticed. So this is part of what is known as the anti-Trump program that they had in order to silence conservative voices and anybody who opposes the narrative. Okay, they have a narrative. In fact, on Fox News, I think it was, or was it Newsmax? I can't remember which one. The, the head Google CEO uh admit it to doing this okay i'm not making this up so you can just uh they use algorithms to stop things another headline i just saw this morning was uh on uh i had to look it up and dig it out i can't remember which news agency i think it, it might have been um reuters from reuters and it then it was went into fox news i think fox news did a report on it and i found another report it says businesses are shutting down because they can't find any workers. And you go, what? I mean, what's going on? Business are at the small businesses, local businesses, local restaurants. This are several restaurants around up in New England are shutting down. They've been there for 
hundreds of years or whatever, 50, 35 years of shutting down. Uh, seafood restaurant stuff are shutting down. Things are shutting down. Restaurants here, uh, here in, in where I live in Fort Collins, Colorado, are shutting down. Uh, I, I we went to the store the other day uh, in the mall. Most of the stores, these restaurants that were there, like, are gone. They're just gone. And so, uh, so businesses are shutting down. And, and here's the other report. Teenagers and young people, I mean, these, these, these people are probably around high school age and just outside of high school age. All they want is free stuff and do not want to work. And they're promised that everything is free and they will get it. So, and on top of that, add what is going on with the free money and the hyperinflation going on. You have a recipe for disaster. I remember uh, on, I don't remember what birthday it was. It could have been my, uh, I think it was my 14th birthday. My parents took me to a steakhouse. They knew the owner. It was a classic setup. Oh, our son just turned, oh, 15. I just turned 15. And he just got his work permit. Uh, can you use him for a job? And the, of course, the manager said, yes, we can use you. Had me fill out an application on my birthday. Next thing I knew, a few days later, I was working. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, do parents do that today with their kids? I do not know, but maybe they should. I don't know. Instead of giving them free stuff, living in the basement, playing video games, maybe you need to get a job in order to buy your video games and not rely on my money. Okay? My parents did it to me. <laughs> it worked. Taught me responsibility. Get off your lazy behind. There's nothing as a free lunch because somebody's going to pay for it. I saw an interesting article or a little saying, and I think it was on Facebook. And it said that if you want to teach your kids responsibility, tell them uh, you'll give them $10 to clean the bathroom and then give them three, give them three dollars and take seven dollars and pass it on to the other siblings who did not work for it and say, this is socialism. This is what free working for free means. OK, well, it's $10. No, it's not. In socialism, they, only 30 percent is yours or less. And the rest has to be redistributed to be equity and fair uh, we really need some hard lessons don't you think for uh, for people uh it says uh mostly these people in an age bracket around high school graduation age and younger are for socialism and communism 49 percent of democrats want socialism as Vladimir lenin always said socialism prepares you for communism whole purpose of it i can take you through the history read about the russian revolution how they use soft socialists in the what would the congress uh, what would be the russian congress called the duma back then a bunch of little socialists the czar advocated his position and turned the governance of the of the country over to the soft socialists okay because he was into reforming the country and you know uh and you know re-educating putting education back building you know industry up and modernizing russia and the uh and so the socialists were going to come and do this for the czar okay 
And it did not go well because that paved the way for the Bolshevik and the Menshevik and all the communist factions and there are many different communist factions to come in and take over the country. So socialism always sets the stage for communism to happen in the future. I don't care if it's soft socialism like European socialism, whatever. It prepares you and we're, we're heading toward that right now. So oh, when you have 49% of Democrats who want this socialism, communism, basically, uh, that's Democratic Party members. That's your rank and file want that. The other 51% um, don't. Only 8% of Republicans want communism. <laughs> so basically what I'm trying to say is a large percent of the population doesn't want communism or socialism, but it's being crammed down our throat anyway, like it or not. Okay. There's another headline. Oh boy, this one really shocked me. And you probably heard about it if you haven't heard already. The Taliban over in Afghanistan, the people who are responsible for the training grounds for the guys that fly planes into buildings in the United States, the Taliban is on the throes of taking over Afghanistan after both Joe, forget me, not Biden, and General Willy Nilly Milly assured us this could never happen back in July. Okay, this could never happen. We're going to pull our troops out. So now they're sending troops back in for a fall of Saigon moment to remove all U.S. embassy personnel after they order the embassy to destroy all secret documents, code machines, code machines, etc., etc. Hallelujah. Don't you love how Democrats screw things up with lies lying to us all the time? My... <clears throat> I do admit that Trump had a plan for withdrawing troops that was very smart and intelligent. You slowly back out. And uh, you slowly back out after you thoroughly train these people to defend themselves. It didn't work that way once Biden got in. He, got, he hated Trump so much. Let's rip everything that Trump ever did away and let's build back a better world. Hallelujah. So now people in Afghanistan... Women are going to be butchered. Uh, people who are free thinkers are going to be killed. People who supported the government are going to be killed by the Taliban. Well, Mr. Joe Biden and General Willie Nilly Milly of the Joint Chiefs of Staff have blood on their hands. They'll have to answer to God for that if they don't repent. That's all I got to say. Next thing and next thing on the news, if you haven't noticed, inflation is on the rise. And this, these news articles are saying, people finally notice gas prices are soaring through the roof. Duh, I noticed that for a while back, but I guess some places, some people are more dense than others. Gas prices are soaring through the roof. But never fear, Biden's energy policy is working to cut fuel and fossil fuels out of the system. So what does Joe Biden have to do? Please, OPEC, lower the prices for us give us our oil back well we had oil we have more oil than we can need why are we saving it for the chai comms and the russians to take over after they take over a country you dummy oh i forgot you are a communist joe biden you're you're no actually klaus Schwab is is the guy you follow which is a chinese communist party member in secret but shh, 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 don't talk don't say that too loud
So people are noticing gas prices going through the roof while Biden is saying, we're going to have electrical cars that you got to plug in. So we're going to have charging stations all across the country. So your car can go 300 miles. Then you have to stop and charge it for 24 hours to go another 300 miles. So it might take you a month to drive across country. Enjoy your vacation. Hallelujah. Might as well get in a covered wagon and, and, and go, go, go. Because you probably get farther in a co covered wagon than an electric car. You know, I mean, do, do communists really have any brains? No, they do. They're very smart. They want to destroy the system and enslave the masses of people to accept these lies. And so uh, we have massive inflation. Have you noticed the food prices going up? I know... We walked into the grocery store late at night, went in and got a bag of uh, some groceries. We, there was uh, vegetables there, and we didn't get the carrots, but we noticed that the carrots went up in price. This is, this is, this is vegetables. You also noticed that um, due to the droughts and the famine droughts out here, the, the farmers can't produce any crops, so they're getting rid of their corn crops and their watermelon and melons, cutting them too soon. And so... We looked at some corn being sold, and I opened it up. I go, boy, this 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 corn is going to be hard as a rock to eat, and all the top kernels are not are gone, and so this is not even a fully developed ear of corn yet. So it's going to be very tough. It's going to be tough old sweet corn, which is not very good anyway. And so we're looking at this, and we're shaking our head. Yeah, yeah, food prices are soaring up. Uh, yeah, you, you got it. I think, I think most people in the United States will see that uh, policies of the Democrats are for the birds, are cloud cuckoo land, fantasy land, designed to destroy America, to bring everybody into, uh, into a hellhole of communism. So that's all I got to say on that. So Biden's energy policy sure is working. He can pat himself on the back. And... The class warfare is working. Uh, Senator John Eastland long ago warned that communism will pit classes against each other and make people race conscious in order to destroy a society. We are seeing that with the 1619 Project, with wokeness, the corporations going woke. And with the now news articles reported that I read, we're talking about uh, the new racism, you know, the Caucasians are dropped in their numbers in the population. Now we can get revenge. Now we can discriminate against them and crush them. Fair is fair. It's like, oh my God, how did Barack Hussein Obama got elected office if we are such a systemically racist country? Why are all these people rushing into this country like two or three million so far and our borders are open wide if we're such a racist country? You need to learn how to think critically but these people don't want you to think critically they want you to buy the lie hook line and sinker to destroy maim and mutilate destroy people's hopes and dreams take your personal property you'll own nothing as klaus Schwab says and you're going to be happy about it you can only rent and the idea of the new world order rental policy is you'll go into government housing and if you're at work, anybody can come in and stay in your apartment because there's nobody. The state owns everything. and You'll be required. So you come home and who's been sleeping in your bed? Can you kick them out? Probably not. So um, you're going to live in a really good, great paradise. And this is what, um, so that's all I got to say on that. 
Uh, food costs are rising, inflation's back on the table, people are pinching penny, pennies, and some people are asking, how can I pinch a penny if everything goes digital currency? Well, you can't. That's the idea. They can control you if they go to digital. You think something is wrong going on in the city of Dodge lately? You ever feel like the lunatics are running the country? No, actually, they're running the world. But never fear, folks. Because they are. The lunatics have taken over. Have you noticed the lunatics are in charge of everything now? While both China and Russia prepare for war, guess what? China is masculizing their men. I said it before on my shows. While the West takes up Boris Johnson's mantra, manhood must become feminized, China and Russia are gearing up for war. And so I've been watching some foreign movies on Roku with the subtitles and also on YouTube if I can find them. You should be able to find them. And so I look up these Chinese uh, action movies as well as Russian and also India's. I'm paying attention to India too. And so I'm, I'm kind of shocked. They are masculizing their manhood to protect their country, to protect the motherland. And they're actually preparing for war against a decadent evil West who is feminized, who is weak. Hmm. Do you think something is going on? So, do, you, do you smell a setup? I do. Because the lunatics are running the world. It's, it's, it's a, what can I say? And um, so I, I look at these things in the Chinese, like the war movies or the Russian war movies, I have to admit, are far better than American movies. By far, even the in India's Hindi movie, you know, Bali or whatever you call it, movies are far better than than, than Western ones because the Western movies are all about propaganda, and it's all about um, uh, whatever the agenda is. They throw it in there. It's constant action and, and, and flashing lights, and have no idea what's going on. Movies were designed to for sixteen-year-old mentality. And uh, to produce and promote a Marxist agenda. And while China and Russia are preparing war, their action movies and their, and their war movies are producing to defend the motherland against oppressors. That's China. And we are the oppressors. And, you know, and it produced manhood, nationalism, defending your country, defending your right of your country to exist as a country is nationalism. And they're promoting that while the West is tearing that down. Go figure. The Chai Coms are donating lots of money to lots of politicians around the world. And they, got, they also own the UN and the United Nations there. They own the World Economic Forum. They got their guy in charge of it. So what can I say? Guess what? We all been warned that this will happen. But who cares? We all get free stuff in the end. And well, nothing will be happy about it. And who is sleeping in my bed tonight? I don't know while I'm at work. Guess what? Churches are missing the mark. They're not really talking about this stuff. They haven't been mentioning it. And they don't, even though the documentation is so thick and heavy in this realm, in this area, no one really is really paying attention. So I've been looking up some old writers 
George Orwell and Adolis Huxley. And looking at 1984, George or Orwell's 1984, other things he said and other writings he wrote uh, on different things. And I was shocked that everything he wrote is now fact. It's happening. <laughs> and Adolis Huxley warned about this stuff too. Both of these people were soft socialists. I want to tell you about them in a minute. And but they they warned that basically what they're saying, soft socialism always goes to full-blown totalitarianism. They were trying to stop it, but they wanted the socialist policy still. It ain't gonna work. It always goes that way. Adolis Huxley uh, stressed it the best, you know. And Adolis Huxley's Brave New World, um, I'm actually shocked at how they want a drug called Soma to, to make the population docile and also use genetic engineering to make different classes of human beings. You have one class, I call them the purple people. I don't know what else, I saw the movie too. Um, and these were the low level workers. They'll always be happy because they're on SOMA. SOMA makes you, just makes you compliant. Then they had the worker be uh, another group that just real happy. They're just one to direct the minute they just do things and serve serve the A, the A class. The A class was the super duper elite. And everybody was supposed to uh, do drugs. And then you had a, a group above them who didn't do the drugs. And that's what's the uber elite. But everybody was to be controlled by genetic modification and a some means of artificial intelligence, and also heavy-duty surveillance as well. And now we're seeing people in the World Economic Forum gathering in Davos every year, talking about AI implants, blending the digital with the physical realm, hooking you up to the Internet of all things. Uh, putting digital tattoos on you that soak in your skin, alter your DNA. Uh, they have things called smart dust. I wish you all would look it up online and read about smart dust. You, you either breathe it in or it can be injected or whatever you want. It. And scientists do use this stuff and they're trying to refine it for surgery. They use some of this stuff like smart dust and other techniques and implants to alter um, for the betterment of humanity, people who have suffered severe post-traumatic stress event and to erase uh, traumatic memories. They can erase memories and they, now they can implant new ones. That's a fact. It's not science fiction. That is a fact. And so we're, we're right at the, what Adolf Huxley, Huxley was talking about, uh, altering humanity through drugs. And... Uh, Solomo was this drug that made you mildly euphoric and you become very docile and groovy, baby, you know, whatever, whatever type of thing. And sometimes you get a little too much of you might hallucinate a little bit, but it was all good hallucinations. You can sit in your isolation and dream of fantasy land. And so what Klaus Schwab and UN World Economic Forum want to do is put this stuff in you, these implants are the stuff that'll go into your mind because the smart dust can pass the blood brain barrier now and lodge into certain places where it fits and alter the way you think. Okay. And thank you. So 
why not? As uh, Billy Crone would say on the AI invasion, you you just hit a button, touch your cheek, and all of a sudden you're you're playing a video game. You know, nothing on the screen because you see it in the back of your eyeballs. And um, so you can sit in your isolated little room playing video games all day. And if you want to go search the internet, touch the other cheek. Tell Alexa, Alexa, oh, Alexa's inside of me now. <laughs> you can read my thoughts. And that's the goal of these things, to control everything you think and do. This is not science fiction anymore, folks. This is reality. I suggest you type in World Economic Forum, United Nations World Economic Forum. Look up who Klaus Schwab is. Look up their plans. Don't read between the Babylonian stuff, the BS that they're how make how good it sounds the digital tattoos are so good and think about what the bible says that the great men and merchants of the earth will use sorcery that word sorcery is pharmakia i mean they use some sort of medication or mind-altering substances or drugs to induce an altered state so you can connect with uh, entities and stuff like uh, spirits beings and spirit guides so forth etc but also do you know that something is going on about a new medication that everybody must take or they can't buy, sell, or eat. Have you ever heard of such a thing by chance? I don't know if you have, but that's on the table right now. And I wonder, I just wonder sometimes what's in stuff, what's really in it. And when I read this stuff, Adelis Huxley is about pharmakia, about soma, and what the Bible talks about pharmakia makes you go, hmm. Because all these people do not want anybody who critically thinks. And they're, they're even uh, talking about a new type of stuff for people of a certain age in order to get. They want those people because those people grew up in an age when they were critically think. Because we were taught to critically think and question everything and not really trust the government. <laughs> So they want to target those people. So, yeah, so, so Adam Huxley has something trying to warn us about. And the churches missed the mark. The, the quotes of these people, the, the people, you know, have quoted this stuff. Famous people have quoted and warned us. Oh, and you heard me many times say many, many names through here if you listen to me. If you haven't, and you, 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 know, you know who John F. Kennedy is. He was a former member of the CFR. He was a member of the CFR, but like several other people in the, that time frame, saw what it was, and he tried to warn about it. He talked about a, uh, a, a very evil conspiracy that re relies on subterfuge rather, rather than covert, over, I mean, overt invasion. They, and it's by a whole litany of basically an industrial complex, big business, great men of the earth are doing this. He warned about a conspiracy. Now, John F. Kennedy was no saint, okay? God speaks through secular donkeys. Do you not know he does that in the Bible with Balaam, trying to restrain his madness? Okay? So he spoke through another donkey by the name of J. Edgar Hoover. He's no saint. He was all messed up, but he warned that there was a conspiracy, an evil conspiracy that people in the United States cannot fathom could even exist because how can they? Because how can anybody believe that you have a great conspiracy out to destroy all that is decent and good? 
Okay. You had another human being. He has a, a fault flawed human being, you know, Larry McDonald, because everybody's flawed in some way. And he was killed in flight seven, uh, Korean airline shoot down in 1983. And he warned of a very evil conspiracy that wants to buy basically the corporate elite and government blending super capitalism with communism to take over the entire world. He warned about it. And that plane was shot down. You know, how do you shoot down a civilian airliner? You know, you just have to ask questions. And it wasn't really an accident. You know, you have to just ask some questions. And so all this stuff is happening. You have people who warned about this stuff. You have Barry Goldwater warned about it. James Perloff warned about it. Uh, Jost Merlu warned about it. A whole lot of secular type of people have warned about this stuff. And the church goes, conspiracy theories and kooks, and we can't go that direction. Well, John F. Kennedy, did he wear a tin hat conspiracy? Uh, were some of these people in high places of power? Rear Admiral uh, Chester Ward, former Rear Admiral who was a member of the CFR, Council of Foreign Relations, for 16 years, blew the lid off the place back through the 1960s all the way to the 1970s, warned ex extensively about what's going on, about this conspiracy. Do you think people of that caliber wear tin hats? Are you afraid to be called a, a tin hat conspiracy theor theory? Well, if you look at the title page of this, <laughs> you'll see somebody wearing something over their face with coffee spilled all over their shirt. And I put that there for a reason, asking who spilled the coffee? Was it the person or who's muzzling you? Causing you to spill your coffee so you can't drink it. So you can't taste something that's good that you enjoy anymore. So who spilled the coffee? And the churches by large, not all of them, not all of them, by large have dropped the ball. So I started studying all this stuff back in the 1980s, watched it progress, dropped it for a while because I actually believed that this stuff could be stopped or never happened in the United States. Boy, was I wrong. And so about almost two years ago now, I, you know, I kept seeing it, kept seeing it. And then I tried to warn about it and felt like I was talking to the air. Even warned about it in my book, A Land Unknown, Hell's Dominion, right here in my own book. I tried to warn about this. And... Um, <laughs> last chapter 17 I'm trying to express how it was how the Lord speaks to you through thought okay and some of the thoughts that would go through your mind during this and I wrote it down as best as I could in trying to convey something he was showing me and it was very difficult to do so I went ahead and did it anyway and I, and I go over here this is on page 185 many argue that God should have created life this way or fashioned it that and fail to see the real matter of fact. Consequently, God's mercy is concealed, his justice distorted, his kindness misread as license. A host of reasons and contention shout that if God were so great, then why does not stop the unjust? Therefore, let us decide these matters with reason seeds and settle this contention between you and me. When I was going through that experience, I'm getting uh, chill bumps right now, thinking about it. Uh, God and I had, had it out. Okay, when I was growing up and I became this militant atheist and went to agnosticism and believed in something, their power that could be or whatever, then got a militant atheism. I was blaming God for everything. Okay, and there was the contention between us. So 
this is when I was coming back, it was like all this was dealt with. And that's what I was writing here. With great efforts of thoughts, many mislead with arguments grandly profound, thus darkening the intellect from seeking their greatest need. Arguments, contentions, discord, dispensations, and strife, influence like gold. These glittering arguments fluently flow. We need to see stones turned into bread before we can believe in God. If the poor could be fed from stones, how great the deed. Oh, how we loathe when our needs are not met. The bread we desire to feed our needs could be met if only God would turn this boulder in our path into feed. And we would believe, but instead these stones remain revealing our greatest need, not the ones we first suppose. Their arguments gush forth speaking. If we establish order, how grand it would be. Our philosophies, our governance can provide better than God we do not see. We therefore design our own destiny. We go our way as we see fit. None can stop me and look at what I can do and get away. No one's watching me. I have bootstraps and courage to make my life live in any way I desire it to be. The kingdom of this earth are all mine, are mine. Another person gets in the way, but who cares? Look at me, man and woman and doing and governing as we please. Who needs an antiquated concept of God? We can make our own concepts to breed our needs. This then must be a matter of fact. We can do whatever we please to make our life live. Instead, the winds blow, the earth shakes, the houses fall, revealing the true matter of fact. What of consequences, the argument contends? How can God consign a nice person to, to such as we are to hell's eternity? After all, we never ask to be born justice. The argument most boisterously contends there's no fairness in this. And then what about evil? Does it, does it not exist? Just look at how the malevolent person prospers and the innocent perish in his or her hands. They become nasty and mean because of oppression, poverty, and being victims of greed. Is it not their fault that the grand argument asserts evil is learned response? It can be assaged through education and redistribution of wealth, thus banishing it in a utopian haze only after correct equality is taught by those in the know as humanity's ultimate destiny. So what I was addressing in that little section there is the utopian idea and the arguments utopians use to say that this book is outdated, you don't need it. You need arguments, grand. You, you know, God's not going to feed you. We will. We'll give you all the free stuff. We have a utopian haze. This is Marxism. This is communism. This is fascism. This is Italian fascism. All rolled up into one in order to take over the world. Uh, Vladimir Lenin said that the purpose of, a, I think he said that, purpose of revolution is the acquiring of power. It's not about making life better. It's acquiring power for a ruling elite to totally control and dominate everything you do or think. Alice Huxley and George Orwell wrote about it. Other secular people wrote about what would happen when under a totalitarian regime. Now you have people escaped communism who warned us in the United States of what's happening in cuba during the cuban revolution a small group of people came in and destroyed the country turned into a communist hellhole and the brave people of cuba are rising up against it our government is silent give it lip service and our, our immigration czar says you cubans are not allowed to come in and flee to our country on boats but everybody else can uh, through, 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 through Mexico. Uh, if you're a terrorist, come on in. If you're a Chinese government agent coming in, uh, come on in. If you want to destroy America, come on in. Hide under the shield, the human shield of people and immigrants. 
Come on in. Break our laws. Destroy our country. You see a setup by chance? So where does all this lead and what, what is my point? I don't know if I even have a point anymore. <laughs> Other than what the Bible says, look what Jesus said under a heading out of the New King James Version of Matthew 24. I'll go just start reading through this and take off. It says here, out of the New King James, verse 3. Now, as Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Three things. When will these be when the temple is destroyed? What are you talking about, Jesus? What will be the sign of your coming? You know, how can we tell when you're coming back to return and of the end of the age? And so when you read uh, Luke chapter 21 and Luke chapter 17, you're, he's going to talk more about the signs as plural, two signs. Uh, one is the coming of the, in the second coming of Christ, setting up his kingdom, and the sign when Jesus comes back for us. Was known as an escape event for true Christians, not the false and the fake. One taken, one left. I just won't, won't get into that. I talked about that last week. When will this all happen? So Jesus answered and said to them in verse 4, Take heed that no one deceives you. Now stop. Don't go no further. One of the very first signs of what you'll see, the entering into when these things will be, the sign of his coming and the end of the age, Take heed, no one deceives you. The first thing Jesus says to watch for is deception. Why? Because we are entering a time of great deception. The Antichrist is going to deceive through flattery and deception. And before he comes into power, he has a ruling oligarchy elite to work through to build the foundations for a new world order to be in place. So all he has to do is step into it. Let no one deceive you. So they deceive you. Look at these great swelling words of emptiness. That oh, God's not going to meet our needs. This Bible's outdated. God's done. We don't need God. You need Marxism. You need socialism. You need free things. You need uh, the, uh, the fascist financial plan where you tax and spend your way to prosperity, collapse the system, bring it all under a total one-world dictatorship and control so that everything you buy, sell, or eat is under control, and they can threaten to take everything away so they can control you. So you're being deceived and set, set up. And so the Jesus is warning you, the first thing you're going to see is great deception. And this generation, we're entering this in a worldwide phenomena of great deception beyond belief that I could ever possibly think that would ever happen in my generation. Now I'm witnessing it. Study this for years, and now I'm seeing great deception being unleashed. The political ideologies and the philosophies being unleashed. Look at verse 5. and explains how the deception comes about. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior of the world. And will deceive many. People miss this. They think it's only religious. This is only religious people. These are only whacked out uh, cult leaders. Okay. Like uh, David Koresh. Or Jim Jones. Or whatever. Some Shinto religion thing. That glorified death. And, and poisoned people a few years back. In a subway in Japan. Uh, these are crackpot people. Who are saying they're the Messiah. No, 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 no. Say, I am the Messiah. I am Savior and deceive many. Well, 
Christ means Messiah. Therefore, many false saviors will arise saying that they can save the world. These are both political and ideologies as well as whacked out people in a combination of both who have whacked out political ideologies promise that they will save the world. Are you seeing that? Know what Klaus Schwab in the Fourth Industrial Revolution says? Crowdsourcing ideas, insights, and wisdom from the World Economic Forum's global network of top leaders from businesses, government, and civil society, and young leaders. This new book looks deeply at the future that is unfolding today and how we might take collective responsibility to ensure it's a positive one for us all. Okay? Notice what Alice Bailey said in page 188 of Treaties on White Magic. Now, Alice Bailey is a cultist. Why am I reading the cultist? Because you got to know the roots of why Klaus Schwab is thinking the way uh, he is. And what is the guiding principles of these people come from Alice Bailey, Blavatsky, and a host of occultic sources who promise utopia, political ideology, so forth, etc. Listen to what she said on page 188 of Treaties of White Magic. On the physical plane, without any esoteric organization, ceremonies, or outer form, these are integrating silently, steadily, and powerfully with a group of men and women who supersede eventually the previous hierarchical effort. They will supersede all churches, all groups, all organizations, and will eventually constitute the oligarchy of elect souls who will govern and guide the world. This is the vision of the World Economic Forum. Klaus Schwab just words it differently. Okay, and they implement this by what she talked about implanting seed groups. Seed groups are people who plant ideas of Messiah, uh, they're the saviors of the world. You don't need God, you need them because they have they can give you they can turn stones to bread. Now, guess what? You can get rid of the cows and solve uh, animal methane gas pollution. Because we can now just take a tissue from cows and grow it in a test tube or pigs or chickens, and we can make mystery meat out of a Petri dish to feed the world. We can turn stones to bread now because they are the saviors of the world. Look at page 113 of Treaties of, of White Magic that Alice Bailey wrote about. The first group works through governments, through politics, and the interplay between nations and is relatively small in number. The second ray group who delude and deceive work through religious agencies and through mass psychology and, and the misuse and misapplication of devotion and of the arts. They are the largest in number. <laughs> Deception, deceive, Jesus warned us. The second group is to delude and deceive. You know, who is the hierarchy? The hierarchy are fallen watchers, angels, ascendant masters, who these people connect with. Delude and deceive work through religious agencies. How about some churches, too? Through mass psychology. Alice Bailey was big on use of psychology. And psychology, when you go and study this out, uh, B.F. Skinner, Pavlo, you know, behavior model, modification techniques, and there's a um, Jaster and a bunch of other applying information and changing entire way people think through education. So you want to educate the masses. So through education and psychology, psychology techniques will be used 
to train people to be collective, global-minded citizens. And I, and I was in, in, in college, and I had to go to teachers' practicums and training practicums, and we had to write our dissertation about what we saw and what uh, strategies that we learned in college were being implemented. It's funny how they knew what was being taught in a teacher practicum. I always thought that was strange, but you know, I understand why now. It's all part of the same plan. And so the you had uh, back then, you had Heather's has two mommies and, and how to flip everybody's mind into a certain group thing, how to silence the opposition, how to uh, browbeat them into submission and psychological techniques of behavior modification to use to train up a whole new world through educational means. Okay. And like she said, Alice Bailey said, these are the largest in number. They have to re-educate everybody through mass psychology and through the misuse and misapplication of devotion and of the arts. So you have to flip devotion to God, country, and each other, flip it to the state. That's what they're talking about. And you use the arts and entertainment industry to do that. And they are the largest propaganda machine we have. American movies, I hate to say it, 99.9% of them, uh, excuse my American slang, stink. Very few movies, American movies, are worth a hill of salt. Just pure Marxist propaganda. Critical race theory, all the light crammed in there, thrown in there, even in Disney movies. And occult things. Alice Bailey goes on and talks about the third group of world servers who are under the influence of the demonic hierarchy. The third groups works primarily through commercial relations in the business world and through the use of money. The concentration of prana or the universal energy and the outer symbol of the universal flux and flow. These thoughts are suggestive but not vital, dealing as they do with cosmic tendencies. In other words, she's all about creating a new age, a new world order. That's what she called it. And by taking over what Christian churches talk about, the Seven Mountain Mandate. She's the mother. She's the founder. She channeled the Seven Mountain Mandate, folks. <laughs> taking over education, religion, family, uh, the sciences, okay, psychology, arts, entertainment, media, all these things that influence culture. She broke it down in seven parts, too. She also... Has, expound it a lot larger on it she would channel the whole plan for you okay she talked about seven sages who would these ascendant masters who would help humanity and and come into the christian church to teach this <laughs> i kid you not she started writing this in 1925 she died in 1948 she even prophesied that this would begin 50 years later from 1925 when she first said it and in April 1975 50 years later in August in Aspen that doctrine came into the church called dominionism it's always been there but this time it went mainstream it would go back underground and by the year 2000 it would come back along with great signs and wonders and basically bring the church under the control of the hierarchy. She just said it. I just read it, read it to you. The second rank group will delude and deceive, work through religious agencies. Okay, what else can I say? I, I rest my case. I can quote a lot more of Alice Bailey on this. I just chose that one. 
Saul Alinsky had eight steps to socialism or communism, a one world government. That's what he wanted. And he illustrates this, how to gain control of the masses through governmental agencies and religious agencies and all that. Basically what Alice Bailey's talking about. She had eight things. Take over the health care. If you control health care, you control the people. Number two, poverty. Increase the poverty level as high as possible. Poor people are easier to control and will not fight back if, if the, you are providing everything for how they live. You increase the poverty level, okay? Because they're easier to control. Now, you can scientifically adjust this to say, um, let's take over everything, uh, make you be not be able to buy, sell, or eat unless you can have a show your papers, you know, stuff like that. Easier to control. Debt. Increase the debt to unsustainable levels is number three. Increase the national and government debt. That way you're able to increase taxes and this will produce more poverty to keep people enslaved to you so you can take over, basically. Number four, gun control. Remove the ability of people to defend themselves from the government or from um, criminals. That way you're able to create a police state. So when I read that from Saul Alinsky, which I had to read a lot of Saul Alinsky in college, you're able to create a police state. Now we have Democrats pushing, let's defund the police. Why? They want a police state. They want a national police force so they can control dumbed down people. Welfare. Take control of every aspect of welfare, providing food, housing, and income. wonder what all that free money's for. Hmm. I digress. Education. Take over the education. Take control of what people read and listen to. Take control of what children learn in school. Re-educate society. This is straight out of Alice Bailey. Religion. Remove belief in God from the government and in schools and in society as a whole. Just like I pointed out. Okay. Number eight. Class warfare or race warfare. Divide the people into wealthy and the poor. Divide them between races. This will cause more discontent. It will be easier to tax the wealthy with for support of the poor. Basically, just, so those are the eight ways to destroy the Western world. So you will see religious leaders saying they're messiahs, they're the saviors. You will see political ideology and secular people saying they have the savior idea, Marxism, globalism. Do it for your friend. Do it for your neighbor. Become a good globalist collectivist. You own nothing and you'll be happy about it. We'll give you a little piece of meat as a reward if you turn in so many uh, uh, people who oppose us. So I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 7 says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Another thing to look for besides the great deception, when the great deception happens, you're going to see an increase of the word uh, nation is racist, for racists will rise against racists. Just what Solinsky talked about, what Alice Bailey and all the other people talk about, what Karl Marx talked about, and what critical race theory is all about, which is Marxist actually, to pit races against each other. Get rid of the police, get a national police force to save the day from all the crime and chaos that they allowed happen because they play both sides at once. That's what that's about. You'll see kingdom against kingdom. You'll see one ideology against another ideology. 
I mean, this is this is talking about total division and people being tearing each other apart. That's what it's talking about. And they're on top of all the stuff happening with the great deception that the deception will bring in all this stuff here will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. We have famine droughts all the time and happen every cyclic period, but near the end time, they're going to increase exponentially. And pestilences includes fires, includes locusts, it includes uh, crazy phenomena, weather phenomena. Not global warming, folks. God lifted his hands off the planet saying, you don't want me? You open the door for the devil, and the devil comes to kill, rob, and destroy. How do you like it? How do you like it? Why don't you return to me? Because you keep opening the door for the enemy. Okay? And that's what's happening. Because when the world pulls away from God, that opens the world the world up to the devil to come in as the Savior with great deception through the Antichrist so he can kill, rob, and destroy more through deception. And Jesus said in verse 8, all these things are the beginning of sorrows, are the beginning of the birth pangs, the birth pangs for the Antichrist. So there's going to be stages you'll see before the tribulation hits, before the Antichrist is even revealed, all these things happening. Now the next part, 9 through 14 here of Matthew, is talking about what happened to the disciples, but it's also prophetically speaking what will happen to the people in the end time, the disciples and people who believe in Jesus will not fall away into deception. And this is for us now to listen to and to warn us. Jesus did try to warn us, but people get really linear in their interpretations and they don't realize their layer meanings in the text that this can also apply to the people living in, the, in that time frame too. It refers to the time frame when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, and it will again appear again just before the Antichrist comes on the scene and during the time of the Antichrist as well. And that's the part that people kind of miss. So read verse 9. Jesus said, they'll deliver you up to persecution. That's the word tribulation means persecution in this context. And will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. In Portland, Oregon. It was Arthur Pulowski, the Polish pastor, that had a, they had a legitimate a license, everything legally to meet and congregate in in Portland, Oregon, and not you know not very many Christians were there. Okay, and Antifa comes. And you've probably seen this on the news, but here's the other part of the story: the police did nothing to stop or protect the Christian. They almost they're culpable for the. The, the guy got a big gash on his head and people received, Christians received injuries, uh, stuff sprayed on him. You can see the attack and the abuse going on. So, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Why? Because they've been deceived through a political ideology called anarchism uh, or the fascism. They are, they are true fascists. They are the fascists. They're not anti-fascists. They're pro-fascists. They are fascists. Okay. BLM. Okay, I'm not talking about Bureau of Land Management. Um, just let your mind wander. And then many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. Are we happen to see that on a worldwide scale happening in your country? Maybe UK, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, what about Indonesia? What about Europe? Uh, are you seeing that? 
increasing exponentially. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved or shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. So we'll see a rise in false prophets rise up. Secular false prophets. Christian false prophets who say they're Christians, but they're false prophets rise up. False prophets of the New Age movement rise up. False prophets, plural, many types of false prophets and will deceive many. Again, Jesus is talking about this time building before the Antichrist and during the tribulation will be a time of almost, uh, I call it, um, fallen angel-inspired deception and seduction to a degree that we have never seen before or experienced since uh, Genesis chapter 6 as it was in the days of Noah. And lawlessness is going to abound. Do you see that happen? And do you see the love of many growing cold? Psalms 119 tells you how to actually prepare for this type of stuff and how to prepare your heart for it or what to do. Psalms 119 has 176 verses divided into 22 subheadings. The subheadings are each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, 22 letters. The letter, each letter has a pictograph meaning as well as a numeric meaning, and they provide how to derive the shades of meaning. If you want to know how to, how to figure out what number meanings are, this is sort of a basic way to learn how to do it. So you got to get in your Bible, you got to look up on the internet, the O or I-O-T, the O-D-O, the Hebrew letters, look at the pictograph, just get an idea of what the pictograph means. They just give you some subheadings, what they mean. And then look up for the numeric meaning because the numeric meanings are very plain in Hebrew letters. And you combine the two, they give you the shades of meaning for each of the Hebrew letters and the pictograph meaning as well. And so if you understand that and you look at the, the subject heading, the 22 subject headings, and you will see things out of Psalms 119. If you try to read Psalms 119 all at once, it's rather redundant. But if you look at it, and you it's like a code packed in there. It's like if you look at the subject heading and you're facing a problem or difficulty, it's like, how do I get out of this? How can I endure till the end and be saved? How can I get through this sanity? How can I get through the lunatics running the farm here? How do I get through through the lunatic deception that's happening worldwide? How? I'm not ready to give up. I want to give up all hope. I want to crawl under a rock and die, basically, is how many Christians are feeling. Because you're, you're overwhelmed with deaths in the family. You're overwhelmed with financial pressures. You're overwhelmed. You're overwhelmed. You're overwhelmed. I just push, push the psychological flooding of data in your mind. It, you, you shut down. And that's what it's designed to do. That's deception, designing, designing you to shut down so they can overpower you. So how can you renew your strength like an eagle? And how can you do it? you got to read Psalms 119. So the subject heading for that verse 68 is found in is the, it comes under the subheading of the ninth Hebrew letter of the alphabet, which is Tet. It's a pictograph of a basket with four compartments. It's comparable to the Phoenician letter uh, that looks like a four-spoked chariot wheel. That's what it was actually to, designed to be. So it has several shades of meaning denoting uh, what makes one good and pure or impure, how the wheels turn, how to make good and impure. 
and what is bad, okay? It is associated with good and bad gifts. That's the primary meaning in the Hebrew, good and bad gifts. It also came to indicate what comes from a serpent, a snake, or bad things from people, or what comes from the ultimate good, which is God. And it's all intense because it talks the concept of that concept is also seen in the nine gifts of the power gifts of the Holy Spirit, who are not for play toys, but to implement and brings God's justice and order back into society, setting people free. Okay. Getting insight, learning how to hear God's voice. Okay. All this stuff is in the nine power gifts. I don't have time to go there right now. And so that's what it's for. So the concept of Tet is seen in Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through, uh, in chapter 11, 5 through 11. I'm talking about when a son asks his father for a piece of bread, is he going to give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, is he going to get a serpent? If he asks for an egg, is, he, is your own father, I mean, is your own parents going to give you a scorpion? If you do have parents like that, like, you know, that describes a Democratic Party and leftists, but um, that digress. Those people are crazy. But most families do not give you a scorpion if you want an egg. I want two fried scorpions, Mom. It's not going to happen, okay? And it says, if you, being the mischievous, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Jesus is talking about here the letter Tet. He's defining it right here, what it means. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a source, uh, is the expression of God's totally, total goodness here. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you understand a concept. We're not saying the Holy Spirit is a force or anything. The Holy Spirit is God himself that's going to reside in you. The ultimate goodness of God teach you right and wrong and provide justice in your life, okay? These are what it's talking about here and so when you're reading this about tet the subject heading a tet it's about giving gifts you're getting a gift from a snake a serpent or whatever or giving your gifts for justice from god so how can you endure this you need the power of the holy spirit you need the gifts that god offers verse 65 begins like this you have dealt well with your servant O lord according to your word the word here refers to what's promised in the Bible and how God speaks to us. Verse 66 says, teach me good judgment. So this is, you have to sit down and actually ask the Lord, teach me good judgment. See how Tet refers to goodness and the letter here definition is found in the text about goodness. So teach me good judgment, good justice, how you judge rightly and fairly and knowledge and knowledge knowledge means instruction insight uh, proper perception so teach me good judgment how you deal rightly and fairly god with a proper perception for i believe the word believe here in the hebrew is a word for study for i study your commandments i'm studying how to live right before god and man no matter what so i have a good testimony before all so when the holy spirit uh can reside in me when he resides in me he wells up with power when they come and persecute me i can give an answer to my persecutors this is what this is saying folks so how do you do it you got to remember how god has dwelt well with you in your past according to his promises okay and how he teaches you how he uh, judges rightly and fairly gives you discernment and proper perception 
for you study how to live right before God and man. Commandments always refer to its Ten Commandments of how to live right and responsible before God and man. That's what the Ten Commandments are for. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, before I was persecuted, I went astray. I was just like everybody else. But now I keep, I guard and protect your promises and insights in the Bible. I guard and protect how you speak to me. I guard and protect how you comfort me because they will direct my steps. I'm paraphrasing and adding the word meanings in here for the sake of time. Verse 68, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Statutes are how to live by the standards of right and wrong that are explained in the Bible, how God does things, okay? You are good and do good. Again, good's mentioned several times here. It refers to the meaning of tet. Well, you are my source of goodness, Lord. And goodness means functional, how to do things. Functional, how do I behave in this crazy mixed up world? How can I continue to do good in this crazy mixed up world? How? Lord, teach me your statutes, your living standards of right and wrong that are found in the Bible. And help me live by them. I can't do this on my own. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to do this in me. Why? Because the proud, the wicked, forged a lie, a slanderous false witness against me. Is the world doing that to us today? Better believe it. But I will keep your precepts. Precepts are general rules that guides our behavior and thoughts. Uh, Lord, you got to have your mind washed daily with the wa gentle washing of the word of God. With my whole heart, I'm under, I want to be so sold out for, to you, Lord, because I have to be because they're slandering me. They're coming after me. Why? Because their heart is fat as grease. In other words, they're slicker than you know what. But I delight in your law, your royal law of love. That's what the law means. It's a royal law of loving God with all thy strength, heart, mind, and soul, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So it's the law summed up in those two commandments. So I delight in studying how to uh, love you, Lord, with all my strength, heart, and soul, and being. And how can I love my neighbor as myself when sometimes I want to wring their neck? Teach me. That's how you get through this stuff, folks. It is good for me that I've been afflicted and persecuted, that I may learn your uh, standards of right and wrong, your statutes. That's a heavy-duty thing. But look at verse 72 here. The law of your mouth, your speech, what you tell me, how you speak to me, Lord, is better to me than thousands of uh, coins of gold and silver. So if you want to get through all this stuff, you got to kind of look at Psalms 119, apply those definitions, ask the questions, read it, and let the Holy Spirit talk to you from the scripture and say, Lord, I need this. Apply those definitions that I mentioned here in there. I, I need to write them down somewhere so people can can have the definitions of those key words so you can apply the modern meanings to them and uh, so you can understand them better okay i'm way over time now i want to end it with that note on a on in the key of c i guess okay amen think about becoming a member of the daily renegade because they're cutting off social media thing we don't have an alternative platform yet where we can go to have any solace, where we can actually speak our minds and have free speech anymore. So you might have to look up places where we still can and have to join and become a member today of the Daily Renegade.
So just consider that. Just consider that. Also, if you'd like to support what I do, help keep me online, keep me on the air, my contact information, how to support me through PayPal, other means, or will be seen on the screen. So just look upon your screen. My contact information's there. Support information and all stuff is there. So with that, you guys be blessed in Jesus' name.